0: It was bound to happen eventually. Three dead Americans. Dozens more wounded, some perhaps grievously. This was the tragic news on Sunday in the far northeast corner of nominal U.S. ally Jordan, where at a U.S. army base, a base that straddles the Jordanian, Syrian, and Iraqi borders, there was a strike. There was a strike from an Iran-backed militia. Stop me if you've heard this story before. This has happened countless times, especially since the October 7th Hamas Holocaust, the pogrom of that day. Upwards of 150, by some counts, attacks by Iran-backed militias throughout Syria and Iraq, fired at U.S. military bases U.S. Central Command saying that approximately 350 U.S. Army and Air Force personnel were deployed to this base. This is a base, it's called Tower 22. Again, it's in the far northeast corner of Jordan. is a very strategically located base because Jordan is mostly a a U.S. ally. As far as this part of the world goes, as far as the Middle East goes, good luck finding an ally that you're going to like other than Israel. So usually you're left with choosing an Arab country that is at least not problematic. You might not have to like them, but at least they're not problematic. The country of Jordan is that. Therefore, we have a very prominent base there that allowed former President Trump to prosecute the war against ISIS in no small part from Tower 22. And now there has been a just a, a horrific, horrific incident there. The reporting on Monday seemed to indicate that there was a drone that was heading back to the base, heading back to Tower 22 at the same time that an Iran-backed militia was was firing missiles. So the missile defense at the facility at Tower 22 seems to have been confused. Again, it was bound to happen eventually. It, It was bound to happen eventually. Per the Associated Press, since the war in Gaza broke out on October seventh, after the Hamas slaughter on that day, Iran-backed militias have struck American military installations 150 times. As I said, 60 times in Iraq, 90 times in Syria. Iraq, frankly, even even more painful in many ways than Syria, given just the the blood and treasure that the United States deployed to. That awful country for so long, the fact that we deployed so many resources, both military and diplomatic, to try to get that government up and running. And what happened? Well, Iran has just taken it over as they have effectively taken over so much of the Middle East. On Monday, President Biden said that the U.S. shall respond. It remains to be seen, I think would be the polite way of putting it, what exactly that response looks like. What did you think was going to happen, Mr. President? What exactly did you think was going to happen as Iran was let off scot-free for months and months now, just firing indiscriminately at U.S. military assets, at soldiers, sailors, and Marines throughout the Middle East? For that matter, another situation there that is a ticking time bomb would be the situation in Yemen with the Houthi rebels who are firing indiscriminately, attacking indiscriminately, commercial vessels of, of of U.S. flagged vessels, European flagged vessels, Israeli flag vessels, they don't care. It's open season on American assets in the Middle East right now. It is open season. Now, we can have an academic discussion about whether the U.S. should have military bases in Iraq, Syria, Jordan, any country for that matter. We can have a conversation about the Efficacy or the need for AFRICOM. That's not CENCOM. That's the U.S. military's command in Africa. We could talk about East Asia, Australia, whatever. These are interesting academic conversations. They delve into foreign policy and political theory and they make for fun banter. And I enjoy talking about it myself, for sure. None of that has anything to do with the solemn obligation part of the oath of office for the Commander-in-Chief of the United States to protect your uniformed men and women when they are deployed overseas. Make no mistake about it. The Commander-in-Chief, the doddering dolt from Delaware, Joseph R. Biden, has dramatically, dramatically failed to do exactly that since October 7th, 2023. 150 attacks from Katayib Hezbollah in Iraq, any number of similar militias throughout Iraq and Syria, all coming back to the head of the snake, so to speak, which is the Iranian regime. There is no doubt whatsoever that this is American blood on the hands of Iran. Nor, for that matter, is this anywhere near the first time that there was blood on the hands of that evil fanatical regime in Tehran, the Islamic Republic. Go back to the Beirut barracks in the early 1980s. Go back to all of the Americans who died from IED's improvised explosive devices on the sides of the roads in Al-Anbar province and Fallujah and all the other hellish, nightmarish locales in Iraq that our brave men and women in uniform fought through. To say nothing, of course, of... Iran's complicity in 9-11, the fact that Iran, per Wall Street Journal reporting, not technically corroborated, but all, all but assuredly correct, that Iran trained the Hamas jihadists who went on to commit the pogrom of October 7th. That's more American blood on their hands because we know that a dozen or more Americans tragically were killed on that day, killed and or taken hostage. This is a fanatical regime, and the response is not helpful for sure. Of the neoconservatives, the folks like Lindsey Graham, the folks who have just been totally unreformed, who have not been even remotely sobered by the past 15, 20 years of failures of nation building boondoggles. It's not helpful that they're saying bomb Iran, you know, take down the regime in Iran, but it's also a truism that the Iranian regime is evil and you can hold both of those positions simultaneously. You can recognize that this regime is evil and that the world would objectively be a much better place if it were to go, while simultaneously being profoundly skeptical as to whether the United States, for instance, should commit itself to pursuing and achieving that end at this time. Technically speaking, this act against American soldiers there at Tower 22 in Jordan It is technically a casus belli. It is technically an act of war. That does not mean necessarily that the logical or necessary response is for Congress to formally declare war. I do not think that full-scale war between the United States and Iran is a good idea at this time. It's actually a very bad idea, on the contrary. While the United States is spreading itself so markedly thin, in Ukraine, with this feckless, impotent proxy war against the world's largest nuclear hegemon, the Russian Federation, why they are still sending guns and money to the Donbass region eastern, in eastern Ukraine, fighting over these linguistically and ethnically divided towns, I, I really have no idea. You know, my sister-in-law actually was was, was over here over the weekend on, on Saturday, and she asked me that. She was like, well, why are we still sending all this money, like all, all these massive tranches of money, these huge sh- shipments of weapons. Why are we sending them to Ukraine? I, I, I honestly don't know. I honestly just don't know. Here we are two years later. Not, not the to my own horn. I feel like I've gotten this one right from the get go. This obviously should have been handled in a markedly different fashion, but I digress. In any event, the full scale war with Iran, not a, not a good time for it, to put it mildly. China, who knows what's going to happen there. The more that you deploy your assets and sprinkle them all throughout the world, the more you lose focus on what is ultimately existentially important to your own country, to your own way of life, to your own civilization. And for the United States, that is China. That is the Chinese Communist Party. Iran and Russia are big, big problems for sure. But none of them rise to the civilizational threat, the 21st century threat that is China. So you're not going to ultimately declare war on Iran, nor should you, based on these events, however horrific they are. But you do have to do something. And the fact that Joe Biden did not do anything, again, is why we're in this mess in the first place. 150 attacks. You know, it was just over a month ago, it was right around Christmas time, that there was an attack from a Kataib Hezbollah militia, Iran-aligned groups in Iraq. This was just over a month ago. It was a one-way drone strike there in Iraq that seriously, seriously wounded three U.S. troops, one of whom was put into a coma. He actually just came out of the coma within the past week. You know, raise your hand if you've heard of this story. I imagine there are not a whole lot of hands being raised right now. No one has been talking about this. Fox News, to their credit, on most days has been flashing the graphics here in Iraq, Syria, Jordan, here are the U.S. bases, here is what has been attacked. The mainstream media has chosen, for the most part, to just do the old ostrich move and bury its head in the sand there, trying, in vain as the case may be, to provide cover to this most feckless of commanders-in-chief. Now, if you're not going to declare war on the Islamic Republic, as I do not believe the United States should... The question then does arise, what are you going to do? Again, make no mistake about it. We can have that academic conversation about whether you want the troops to come home. You can do your whole Ron Paul thing. You can do your whole Tucker Carlson thing. We can have that conversation for sure. I I happen to agree with a lot of it. Not all of it, but a lot of it. My foreign policy views, as this audience knows, are fairly nuanced, I vehemently, vehemently reject the extremes of both isolationism and neoconservatism. So I'm really happy to engage that conversation, I actually would agree with the critics of U.S. foreign policy much more than I disagree. None of that is even remotely apropos to the current question facing the commander-in-chief, the secretary of defense, and the joint chiefs of staff, which is how do you retaliate? against an evil, fanatical regime that has been, whether they call it a state of war or not, has been in a state of war with the United States since the Islamic Revolution in 1979, what do you do in response to them murdering, yes, murdering, three of your bravest young men and wounding, sometimes seriously or grievously, roughly three dozen others? Deterrence must be restored. The alternative to continue to just duck your head in the stand and pretend like this problem is going to go away will only make it worse. The United States must engage in strikes on these militias, must ramp up their attacks on these militias. They should not take off the table direct attacks on Hezbollah itself in Lebanon, Hezbollah being one of the Iranian regime's most favored proxies going back until the founding of the Islamic Revolution and the Tehran hostage crisis of 1979. Hezbollah, which has been engaged in something of a hot war with Israel ever since October 7th, you have 100,000 Israelis in the Israeli north who are out of their homes. The situation out there is probably going to get even worse, I fear. Based on my recent trip there, most Israelis I spoke to are fairly confidently predicting that that's going to become a full-scale war to the extent that it is not already sooner rather than later. So if you're the U.S. and you're looking to respond to your own dead soldiers by trying to harm Iran, perhaps you might look to Hezbollah in Lebanon. There's no need necessarily why you need to keep it to Qatayyib, Hezbollah, and the other Iran-backed Shiite militias scattered and sprinkled throughout Syria and Iraq. For that matter, what about the Houthis? How in the world, after however many weeks it's been now, three, four, or five weeks of this so-called coalition between the U.S., U.K., and some other European and Arab actors, how is it that, that the Houthis are still firing at ships, are still engaging in acts of piracy to try to take over ships? I mean, what kind of coalition is this? And this has very real tangible implications for consumers all around the world. You've seen any number of oil and natural gas companies, any number of shipping companies that are transporting oil, transporting various other precious commodities that are being forced to go around the tip of Africa, down near Mozambique, around South Africa, going all the way down there, instead of going through the Straits into the Red Sea, up through the Suez Canal, where they would normally go, from the Indian Ocean, the Arabian Sea, or the Persian Gulf. That is already having an effect on consumers. And it's only going to have more an effect if this nonsense, if this BS is not stopped soon. The more that you have the cargo ships taking that longer route, the more time it's going to be. The, the cost gets passed on, guys. This is economics 101 here. Who is calling the shots with the Houthis? Who is telling them to engage in these ridiculous acts of piracy? Well, it's obviously the Iranian regime. So the U.S., when they are contemplating a response here, they definitely should not keep it just to Iraq. They should consider expanding to Lebanon and or the Houthis. The Houthis probably above all. This is a major issue for the world. This is a major issue for consumers. And there's no one else other than the Iranian regime who is commanding the Houthis. So it fits right there. It is right within the crosshairs. It is, it is a perfect possible source of retribution for three soldiers killed. At the end of the day, the U.S. has no choice but to do something, though. And something meaningful. Not these feckless tit-for-tat strikes that they have been purporting to engage in for weeks now. That fecklessness, that impotence led to the three dead soldiers on January 28th, 2024. I see some folks on Twitter, many of the usual suspects, I saw Tucker Carlson, pounding their chest and chanting America first as they simultaneously exhort, as they simultaneously urge the Biden administration to not do anything that could escalate the conflict or risk a broader war. You know, I have news for folks like this. The conflict has already been escalated. They have now killed three soldiers due in no small part to America's lack of establishing any deterrence. The Houthis are engaging in outrageous 21st century piracy that has massive sprawling ramifications for consumers, their paychecks, the price of gasoline at the pump, things of that nature. This conflict is already here. So are you going to Try to reestablish deterrence? Are you going to do something? Or are you not? I'm sick of this crap where these so-called America First chest pounders just start saying, bring everyone home. We shouldn't be there. They shouldn't be bait for our enemies. Again, let's have that conversation. But maybe let's not have that conversation right now while we are telling the parents of those who fell in uniform for this great country, that their loved ones are lost. Deterrence must be restored in the Middle East. And God help us, it should not have to wait until the November 2024 presidential election for that to happen. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers, but you already knew that. If you wanna know what number you're gonna pay each month for your car,